We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Barcelona Podcast. We're bringing you the hottest breaking stories from the Camp No. I'm Dan Hilton from the Barca Blog team, and I'm joined across the ocean by Frances Tomas, as seen on ESPN and BarcaBlog.com. You can follow our show with the show notes at tbpod.link backslash 44. That's tbpod.link backslash 44. This is episode 44 of the Barcelona Podcast. And Frances, what do we have on tap today? We've got plenty. We've got plenty to um, discuss with our listeners, which is which is great again. Um, before we get started, I want to say thank you to everyone that is leaving iTunes reviews. Um, if you've got an iPhone, it's now much easier. I'm sure you've realized it's now much easier to leave a review. All you need to do is um, tap on the show description that you've got on your phone in front of you and then just scroll down to where the stars are. Any review with over four or five stars is really, really helpful. And we have been receiving plenty lately, so we're very thankful for them. Um, please leave a couple of lines for us, and that will help us promote and grow the podcast even further. So thank you very, very much for doing that. In today's 44th episode of the Barcelona podcast, we're going to analyze the 2-0 victory over Malaga in La Liga over the weekend. Then we're going to look at Messi's contractual situation and the USA Barca Academy that's going to be open in the very near future in the United States. After that is listener questions, which is our favorite part of the show. The Barcelona Podcast 44 starts right here. Sounds like a plan, Frances, and we'll start with the review, a quick review of the Malaga game. 2-0 victory for Barcelona with goals by Gerard Delefeu in the second minute and Andres Iniesta in the 56th minute. Delefeu's goal, of course, was a disputed one that shouldn't have counted, certainly shouldn't have counted, as Lucas Digne who assisted on the goal, had completely gone over the goal line before he crossed the ball in to Delefeu. Meanwhile, Lionel Messi, of course, assisted on the Iniesta goal with a pretty good combination play from those two. Some other stats from the game. Barcelona had possession 65-35. to They were actually outshot 13-12 to and 5-4 to on shots on target. And the turnovers were 119 by Malaga and 118 by Barcelona. The big story before we get to your five-star players of the game is now now Malaga may be bottom of the table in the league with one point and also winless in nine matches. My whole thing is I think they're better than their record shows. I think that they are a quality team that, as evidenced just in the second minute, they've been unlucky this season and hard done by by a, a bit of bad play at times, but also a bit of unlucky behavior 
And so part of me believes, honestly, Frances, that they won't be relegated this season. I think Malaga, as I said, is was a tougher challenge than they have been. And most importantly, Barcelona in the last two seasons have only had one positive result against them. And that was back in January of 2016, a 2-1 win that Barcelona's finally able to break through those defenses. And so all things considered, I think Barcelona handled them pretty well. And meanwhile, Valencia also crushed Sevilla 4 nothing at home to keep pressure on Barca. So that was something else to motivate them. And before you get to your five-star players, the last thing I'll add is I know we don't want to start with the zero stars, but if we have to, I would say that Luis Suarez would probably be the guy this week to get that. I, I know that's how you might have started it, but I think he's actually the big story, and I don't want to just go into the stats and the theme of the game without mentioning that there was a huge miss by him. He was then sobbed off by Paco Acacer, which even though Barcelona cheered him, the, both the fans and the players and everyone was happy with him, it, it just seemed like they were more trying to encourage him than happy with his performance as he just continues to struggle this year, whether it's his positioning on the field or injury. I'm not sure what it is with Luis Suarez, but he certainly is... I think coming out of that game, the storylines on the game. He really was. And uh, I had the zero stars ready for him. Um, I'm quite concerned. Um, I think that, you know, by now he should have got better. Um, Obviously, he's not playing in his ideal position because Messi is now playing in the center. He has been lacking fitness, but, you know, it's two, three months now since the preseason started. And his ongoing injury should have eased off, but really it just hasn't. Suarez's performance against Malaga was just forgetful. It was awful. He was subbed off. Um, he was visibly annoyed that Alcácer had been put in his place. But, you know, the two misses he had, there was one in particular in which, you know, my granny would have scored that, you know, and he can only she can only use one of her legs. Um, it was not very good at all. And um, the thing that, and I know it's a reaction, but he was giggling and laughing after he was in a way thinking, oh my God, what's going on? It's just, it screams sort of mental problem there as well. I think lack of confidence, lack of um, acierto, so lack of accuracy in front of goal is definitely, definitely in there. And um, I, am, I am concerned. He's taken 32 shots this season, 17 of them have been on target and he's only scored three goals. Um, I know that Kules, particularly in social media, have started, you know, thinking Suarez needs to be out. Who are we signing next? But regardless of whether we sign anybody in the winter or in the summer, Barca needs Suarez right now. And right now, the Suarez that we've got is nowhere near the incredibly outstanding performer that we had last season and definitely two seasons ago. So it is, it is quite concerning. Yeah, I think it's not only concerning for from a Luis Suarez perspective but from the range of the whole team and goal scoring now a positive from all this is that even though it shouldn't have counted Gerard Delafeu gets his first goal for the senior club which is an important milestone not only for the player but it gets you continuing to wonder with without Neymar in the club Dembele is injured still for uh, a few more weeks now without Luis Luis Suarez scoring and no other player consistently being suspected to get a goal like if for even for Andres Iniesta he hadn't scored in the league in almost two years so that just tells you that Barcelona well right now they are getting goals from other places other than just Messi by and large when push comes to shove if Luis Suarez isn't scoring goals and Messi they've got a good plan against Messi where are those goals going to come with confidence 
The answer is I'm not really sure, and I think that's the biggest fear out of all of that. It really is, and hopefully Dembele, when he recovers and you know he makes his re-debut with us, um, he can come back and, and take us out of our misery in front of goal because that's, that's not working. Um, let's move on to the stars then. With one star, I've got Paulinho. Paulinho is becoming a super sub, and he's got a case to become a regular starter, to be honest. Um, I, I think I've mentioned in the previous podcast as well, Rakitic has not been his confident self at all this season, and he seems to be getting less and less effective by the week. So I think Paulinho already has a case to become a starter. Um, against Malaga, he added that extra oomph that was needed when he came in. He was only given 15 minutes, but he could have scored twice in that time. And the Camp Nou were cheering him on. And, you know, he's becoming a fan favorite, believe it or not. And um, I'm really, really pleased that he's in this position. And hopefully he can be a starter in the very near future, um, given his performances, because, you know, he's earning that spot. With two stars, we've got Lionel Andres Messi. He's not always capable of uh, being his incredible self but against Malaga he was once again key for Barca's attacking transitions. He did struggle at times against Mitchell's defensive mechanisms and um, it is obvious that any team playing against Barca this season given Messi's more central position are going to defend against him and if he doesn't get that much support from the wingers or from anyone coming from deep like say Paulinho did in the last 15 minutes then Barca will become increasingly easier to defend against and that's what Messi was facing. Despite that, Messi did manage to assist for Iniesta's crucial goal and as it cannot be any different, he went on to break another record. He now has 500 goals uh, with his stamp. That's 360 goals, 140 assists in 391 La Liga appearances. Um, Lionel Messi is incredible. We're not going to find out today, but um, it is good to see that he's still being influential and he was against, against Malaga. With the three stars is Sergio Roberto, um, a player who is once again going to be playing different positions throughout the game and being pretty good in both of them. He started at right back, he was ahead of Semedo once again, and I think that's because Valverde has realized that when Sergio Roberto and Gerardo Lufeo play together, they're always connecting with each other and um, they, in a way, preempt the better versions of each other. Um, he was decent at right back. He was pushing forward confidently, but he wasn't always as commanding as he would have hoped for. But still, he did he did pretty well. Then, in the second half, he was far, far better. When he was moved into midfield, he was moving very creatively, very ambitiously, really purposefully, and he was really effective when on the ball. He was always combining with those around him, and he added plenty of creativity and added and created favorable situations for himself and those around him. He continues to grow into one of Barca's key players and regardless of where you play him, you do know that Sergio Roberto is going to be an advantage against your rivals. So three stars go to Roberto fully, fully deservedly. Now, Dan, how are you feeling so far? What are you thinking? I have no qualms with the first three. And while I usually spoil it for you, there, my thinking is that I know who the last two guys are are, but I'll, I'll let you continue. And then if you miss one of my two last two picks, then I uh, will we'll have a dispute. Okay. I was prepared for your disagreement. I'm a bit disappointed. No, no. I, I, uh, yeah, I think that, uh, I like where you put Messi in there. It wasn't his 
best performance, but he was still very influential. And I thought Sergio Roberto at both positions he played, again, had a, an, another really good work rate. Um, so I, I do want to hear your, your top two, and then, and then I'll certainly respond. All right, let's do that then. Um, with four stars, we've got Javier Mascherano. His no-nonsense approach really helped him uh, be influential for Barca at the heart of the backline once again. Obviously, Piquet was not available. Um, it is believed that Valverde rested him. Hopefully, that's all there is. There's no injuries or anything like that. And yeah, Mascherano proved that whenever he's trusted, he can lead the back line. Obviously, Malaga were not really that incisive up front, and that helped his case. But undoubtedly, Mascherano's quick intercepting, his tidy tackling, his vision when playing the ball forward, his know-how and experience in order to build from the back were, were crucial and really did help the team. Um, as I said, Mascherano can still do a job and undoubtedly he is a squad player that Barca definitely needs. Um, I still believe he's behind Umtiti and Piquet uh, whenever the big matches come, but you know there are plenty of games in the season. And Mascherano really has a role to play. So I am delighted to say he's a four-star getter and he was back to his former self once again. And talking about back to his former self, with five stars, we've got Don Andres Iniesta. He played the whole 90 minutes for the first time this season and he was undoubtedly Barca's best player of the night. He scored Barca's second. There was, okay, there was a little bit of a, a deflection and although he did, hit the top corner uh, that you could argue that was a little bit lucky but then again in football as in life you need to look for luck and uh, I think Iniesta did very well on that um, he was celebrating his recent lifetime contract with a fantastic performance in front of you know the whole of his family and hundreds and thousands of people and millions of people um, around the world who were celebrating with him as well uh, from the TV screens from the stadium from wherever we were um, he's such a loved player that everyone was happy for him. Um, he connected well with his teammates, as he always does, and he was crucial in the final attack in third. Um, as, as listeners know, Andres Iniesta, because of personal connections, is my favorite Barca player um, of all time. Maybe tied with Messi, but you know, I really have a soft spot for him. And I really, really love him when he's, he excels. Um, he obviously in my eyes, needs and deserves a little bit more rest than what he's getting. And hopefully that become much more frequent in days to come because he needs to still be fresh in the decisive final stages of the season. And that is from March onwards. I wouldn't really definitely not want him burning out before Christmas time. So he needs to know his body, which he does. He needs to manage his little tiny niggles, which, you know, they're going to come up. Um, let's not forget the last three seasons have been spoiled at some stages due to injuries. So I really do hope that Iniesta can stay, steer away from all of that, gets deserved rest so that when things truly matter from March, April, May onwards, he's ready for it. So um, five stars for Iniesta and I did love that. Yeah, it's a shame that Gerard Delafeo, who got his first goal for the senior club, didn't get to be one of your five stars. But I agree with you that Delafeo, other than the goal, didn't really have his influence on the game, and he didn't play poorly, but he certainly wasn't one of the five best players for Barcelona in the competition, and I can't argue with the top two, Mascherano and Iniesta. And I'll tell you, I watched the Malaga game um, with my wife. It's the first one of the season, like the first game of the season that she sat down 
next to me and she watched and I not that I made her watch the game but you know she sat there and she was engaged and not doing something else but we were watching the game and the thing that always sticks out to me is when I'm watching with someone who doesn't normally watch soccer or someone who doesn't normally watch Barcelona now again I soccer is on quite often with my wife but instead of looking at formation like we were looking at formation and did with different players and where different players were the way I knew that the two top star getters should have been who they were was just her reactions and the players that impressed her and the things that even she saw was that Mascherano as you would mention had a really good game easily his best of the season and one of the better games we've seen him in a Barcelona uniform in at least the last year or two now his superb tackling his timing was the most impressive thing where you know he was taking chances going to the ground for tackles but his timing was just perfect on a number of occasions and of course if he gets that wrong that's an instant red card and now Barcelona down to 10 men and unlike in the midweek clash against Olympiacos who knows if they would have been able to break down Malaga's defense so for me Mascherano absolutely was the four-star getter and then Iniesta was the five-star getter not only for the goal but because as we were watching it I was kind of explaining to her and seeing it for myself that Barcelona, unfortunately, and I guess fortunately because they have Iniesta, but unfortunately, they don't have another midfielder who does the things that he does in the ways that he does. He's right now continuing to play at a really supremely high level, and the kind of passes he has, the quick turns on the ball that he does, and the positions that he puts himself in after he receives the ball is just something that, as much as Roberto and Denis Suarez are like him, they just aren't him. And so that's why seeing his performance like that, he just does the little things. And as I said to my wife, that you kind of can tell, even if she can't recognize who the players are just by their hair, even though, of course, Rakitic with the, the blonde hair and Iniesta, not a lot of hair on top. But even though it looks like you can see, if you don't know exactly which player is which, you can see in the way that he plays exactly who Iniesta is. And that, to me, is what stands out as the reason why Iniesta was the best player in that game. And is, again, a scary thing about Suarez not scoring goals is if Iniesta does have some kind of injury trouble this season or runs out of form, he's bringing something to the club that I don't know if Barcelona can like for like replace at this moment. Um, but we'll, we'll see what happens with that. Frances, should we move on to Messi's contract? So before we move on to um, the next topics that we've got, I want to sort of close the game by saying that Barca was once again not spectacular. We did grab another win. And, you know, we are topping the table in La Liga with 25 points. We're five points ahead of Real Madrid. Uh, we've scored 26 goals. And we've only conceded three goals in nine games. Obviously, that means we've got a plus 23 goal difference. However, in social media and people that I've spoken to, Kules are not really feeling it. And they're still wary that performances are not convincing enough. Now... You can't argue two points here. Either Kules are delusional and they expect too much or the team is not really going too well. And obviously, I think it's the second one. I cannot forget the fact that the team is still under construction and obviously the results so far are much, much, much better than expected and in a way they should have been so far. So that, that's really good and encouraging. But you need to question yourself and say, will luck run out sometime soon? Or whenever own goal stops scoring that many goals and being a second best scorer behind Messi, what's going to happen? Well, that those are questions that 
we just don't have an answer for and we just need to hope. And we need to hope that when that happens, because it's not if that happens, it's undoubtedly going to come a point in the season in which Barca, for whatever reason, run out of luck and then we need to have a, a response to it. So we need to trust that Valverde has got enough things in place and has experimented enough to have solutions because he's had a lot of time to do that and he's been trying different formations. He's toyed around with a 4-2, with a 4-2-3-1, with a 4-3-3. He's played different players in the, wing, in the wings, such as, you know, De Lufeo, Dennis, even Andre Gomez at times. You've got Dembélé, you've got obviously Suarez. So there's been a lot of experimenting, a lot of trying, and I really do hope that when it matters, all of that comes together and we can move forward and continue to win. Yeah, I can get behind that, but to me, I would say I'm actually more probably on the first part of what you had said, where I just think that the reaction when you watch one club game in and game out in every minute and analyze every minute, sometimes you do lose the big picture that Barcelona are playing completely unblemished right now, and that there, I think there is something to that unbeaten run right now. The defense is playing at a supreme level, even if going forward sometimes you don't see the finished product. Yeah, I agree. I think there's different ways to look at it. But um, I really do think that once things become difficult, we need to be ready. And uh, I think we will be. I know I am optimistic that we will be. But, you know, the, 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 the game itself, the, the beauty and the aesthetics of the game are just not there. Um, but, you know, we'll see We'll see what happens when we get to it. But I am optimistic, and I think we've got a very good chance of at least challenging for every title until the very late stages. But that will depend on not having key injuries to key players. Because, you know, say we lose Messi or Suarez or Iniesta or Dembele again once he comes back, uh, or even, you know, Umtiti or Ter Stegen or Busquets or Piquet, and we are screwed. So... Let's just hope that um, nothing like that happens and we can truly challenge for everything this season, which we should do unless we're hit by, by disaster in that area. Well, one guy that we're going to need healthy and firing on all cylinders to challenge for all the trophies this year, of course, is Lionel Messi. And we're going to move on to talk about his contract now. Messi, still having not signed his new four-year deal, it now came out that Barcelona CEO Oscar Grau said and announced at the club's annual general meeting that Messi's contract is going to be offered as a lifetime contract. And while negotiations are now at 18 months for that four-year deal that he hasn't signed yet, he's still out of contract over the summer. But again, now the CEO in Grau is pivoting a little bit and saying that just like Iniesta, Messi's contract is going to be a lifetime contract. And not only that, but after he's done playing, they want him to be continually linked with the club. He's a player that, of course, joined the club at 13 and made his first team debut at 17. And we can go through his numbers. We say basically every week, record goal scorer for the club with 522 goals, 30 trophies won, third in all-time appearances behind Xavi and Iniesta. And, you know, the whole thing about Messi leaving, I think it can be two minds, Frances, and I'll let you respond. I think Messi can be unhappy with the board, but also still content with staying at Barcelona and I think you can't just say he doesn't he's unhappy with the board or unhappy with certain things therefore he will leave or he used to play and enjoys playing under Pep but that doesn't mean that he's going to go to Man City and I think we jump too quickly on the 
and not and not us, but I think major media outlets that don't necessarily cover the sport day in and day out, especially here, I'll at least say in the States or on a global market, not necessarily, obviously in Catalonia, it's messy 24-7. But I think on publications around the world that don't normally focus on this, the second you hear Messi doesn't have a contract, then of course the, the thing that's going to sell that newspaper or get people to click on that article is saying what happens if Lionel Messi leaves. And so I think that's being overblown a bit. And there are little clues in there to tell me like the fact that Messi doesn't really show that if he's learning English, he's not showcasing it. And he's a guy that being a global icon, you wonder why he hasn't adapted to learn English or to present himself in public as someone who speaks English a little more frequently than he does, as he basically never says anything in the language. And as you and I have talked about many, many times, I stick by this, that other than Barcelona, I think Messi is going to play when he's 34, 35, 36, 37, or something in that range. He'll play for Newell's Old Boys back in Argentina, as he always said he will, return home. And then maybe he'll come back to Barcelona after he's finished his playing days, much like we're probably going to see Xavi do and take on a club, a behind-the-scenes role with the club. And so I think, again, I'm not worried about this, but the lifetime contract is a little interesting. But again, if it's Iniesta, Messi would be the other guy you give the lifetime contact to. It makes sense. Yes, um, I think I think there's something fishy going on. You know, because um, Oscar obviously said what you, what you very clearly explained a couple of minutes ago. But then there was messages coming out from the Asamblea Compromisaria, which is the annual conference, as you explained, saying that Messi's contract has actually been agreed. A bonus has been paid and four years are certainly going to happen. But I just can't buy it because if that has happened already, then why is Messi not signing it? Why can they not just, you know, call him up one day before training and actually sign the contract so we can all put our minds at rest? I really, I really don't buy it. And uh, they're coming out talking about the lifetime contract now. But, you know, if you just agreed a four-year contract, then why are you working on a lifetime contract before signing that one? I'm, I'm puzzled. I don't, I don't want to say I don't believe it, but I just can't buy the story as they're telling us. I think there's something else. Now, I was thinking about it this week. Um, Manchester City's interest is clear. And Pep Guardiola, obviously, is, out of everyone in world football, probably the person who loves Messi the most. Um, he's always praising him. He's always saying... You know, recently um, they were talking about the Bruin and, and his great sort of run of form recently. And he's thinking, well, no, no, there's nothing that the Bruin has done that enables him to be even close to Messi. Messi is still the best ever. So he continues to do that in front of the world's media. Let's just get Messi to sign the contract so that we can have our minds put at rest once and for all. As Aculeta has been following Barca for you know many, many decades now, I've seen this situation twice. The first time is when Pep Guardiola kept refusing to sign his contract. And he did that for a good year and a half. Then he left. Um, Luis Enrique, again, wasn't responding to anything or any questions that, in a way, covered his, his future. And he ended up leaving in the end. So, I don't know. Maybe I've woken up the wrong way today, but I really do hope that all of this ends soon because... I'm, I, I can't be very positive about it. And, um, you know, it's November now. He can go for free in a couple of months. And that is not something that we want to be discussing. That's not something we want to be thinking about. 
Um, let's just hope that Messi and someone from the board can finally agree and get the contract signed because he is key to our future and we do need him. We do need him. And so let's just hope that that happens. Now, moving swiftly on, um, this is something that I haven't shared with Dan before the show. I hope that he's seen it um, within the media, but um, I want to be the one introducing this because, you know, he's the expert. So let, let's just go ahead. Um, with the Asamblea Compromisaria, there was a little bit of a deal coming out that will really definitely and hopefully positively impact uh, the American football market. So in the USA, there's going to be a Barca Academy being being opened um, as soon as December 2017. So that's in two or three months. Uh, the Academy is reportedly going to be made in New York City. And the vast majority of SOCIs, which are club members, approved its construction. Long story cut short, 2,000 boys or girls are going to be playing in the Barca Academy, or that's the capacity that it has at least. Obviously, because of the USA market and the location, there's going to be 2.5 million potential players who can apply and become players for the Barca Academy in the United States. Um, In order to join and to be part of the art, state-of-the-art facilities, they obviously need to have enough quality. Um, Bars are going to send coaches from La Masia all the way to the United States. Um, the, the idea is that 50-50, most of the coaches um, are going to be from La Masia, but another 50% of coaches are going to be American, either ex-football players or coaches that have shown promise. And you know the thinking is that everyone in the academy plays like Barca play back home in Barcelona. Um, eight pitches are going to be made available throughout the whole um, summer, spring, autumn and winter. So year-long facilities. And obviously I understand in the United States weather is quite extreme, but still that's going to be the case. And last thing I mentioned, the opening is going to be funded 50-50 by Barca and a company called Prospect Sports Partnerships and any profits will be divided 50-50 as well. So, Dan, I don't know if you knew all that, but I wanted to put you on the spot. What are your thoughts? So actually, I have to correct you. The facility is actually going to be on Long Island, which is, uh, for those around the world, is just to the east of New York City. So actually about, 40, actually about 45 minutes to an hour outside of New York City, to the east. Uh, is it New York State? On Long Island. Still New York. Yeah, still New York State. Ah, so, so there you go. I wasn't wrong. <laughs> But I wasn't right either. It's just just not in New York City, but but yeah, you were very close. Very, it's again less than an hour away from the city. I'm trying to figure out Frances, but again, it's hard to hypothesize because this kind of joint business venture. So they have a 10 year length of we'll say the obligation with the option of another 10 after that. So this is a long term process and project for both the club FC Barcelona and the impact it would have on soccer, not necessarily in the whole U.S., but at least in the tri-state area, which is in New York, Connecticut area, New Jersey, that kind of thing, Um, the states right around where the facility would be. And I kind of wonder, will this help Barcelona from a marketing perspective, from a global branding perspective, or will it help American soccer in the way that, what I mean by that, is that, you know, with the U.S. not going to the World Cup, a big question that's come up is what is the identity or the brand of American soccer? What's the style in which they play? 
And while Spain, of course, still plays the tiki-taka, and you know how Italy plays, you know how England plays, these major world powers, you understand the style in which they play, these national teams at least, and you say, what does a Spanish player look like? Well, by and large, obviously they play different positions, but by and large, a Spanish player has these certain characteristics. And the U.S. player, the characteristics that they've had over the last about 27 years since they've reemerged in in making World Cups, et cetera, et cetera, is it's a gritty, counterattacking, athletic style of play. And it doesn't necessarily fit what Barcelona are doing. So the interesting thing to me is going to be seeing that contradiction. And I think a lot of American fans and fans of the U.S. teams, they want to see, and I think everybody would want to see their clubs and the national team of the U.S. play like a Barcelona or play like a a possession-style soccer that's appealing to the eye, et cetera, et cetera. And I don't think that's the U.S. style and identity at this point. So there's a contradiction there in training all these young players to play a different way that doesn't necessarily fit the American style. So what kind of imprint will this have on potentially changing that narrative a little bit? And so that's not a question that I'm going to wake up one day and say, that's the answer to that question. But it's going to be something that I'm going to be really interested. I mean, I live 15 minutes away from the facility. I kid you not. And so I'm going to be really interested to see how... The people in this area, you know, and as I mentioned about media who aren't concerned with Barcelona or soccer, I'm interested to see how media in this area recognize that and what kind of relationship that has with the the area here in Long Island and what this means for the long-term future of soccer, at least in the tri-state area here on the, eastern, the east coast of the U.S., and so I think it's, again, a long-term project. And 10 years from now, Frances, you can ask me again what I think of it. And I hope it's positive things for both the cl- Barcelona. Because, again, I hope that that means there's five or six new 17, 18-year-olds who've been ushered overseas to play for Barcelona's B team and, and heading up to the first team. But, again, only time will tell. That's really interesting. That's really, really interesting. I didn't really expect you to go in that direction. Um, but, obviously... Yeah. Okay. All right. Nothing. Nothing else to add. Um, that was very. That was very clear. Thank you. So let's hit some other youth players, but a little older than the academy players who are going to be playing at the Barcelona Academy in New York. And we're going to quickly, but not necessarily preview the Real Murcia game because depending on when you're watching this, it might already have happened. Instead, we're going to focus on the players that are most likely going to feature in that game and talk a little bit about the Barcelona B players that are currently training with the first team and that Ernesto Valverde clearly has his eye on. So the story coming in, Murcia in the Copa del Rey is the next opponent, currently fighting relegation in the third tier, and with the home leg on the 29th at the Camp Nou, Ernesto Valverde could basically sit everybody he has to, play whoever he wants, and you'd have to expect that Barcelona B players who currently play in the Segunda division, which is an entire tier above where Real Murcia plays right now and are fighting relegation, that the Barcelona B players, if anything, could even outclass a, a squad that is struggling in the way that, that their opponent will be. That said, just the notes to be aware of, Ter Stegen, Busquets, Iniesta, Luis Suarez, Messi, Paulinho, and Umtiti will all be rested. They've all been given time even away from the club. So Messi is visiting Fabregas in 
in London and Paulinho went over to China for a few days for promotional reasons. So they're kind of taking their time, clearing their heads and taking a rest. That said, everybody else, including the seven players from the B team, including winger Jose Arnaith, Carles Elena, who we've talked many times about on this podcast, Mark Cucurella, the left back who we've spoken about before, Oriol Busquets, who's a center defensive midfielder with no relation to Sergio Busquets, Vitinho, the loney from Brazil and playing for the Barcelona B team, Carlos Perez, the right winger, and the goalie, Adrian Ortola. All have trained with the first team this week and will possibly see time in the Copa del Rey. If you're thinking to see Arda Turan and Alex Vidal, they did not train on Sunday with muscle discomfort and will most assuredly miss the match. So again, no turn for Arda Turan and Vidal unfortunately is unlucky with injuries and will not be featuring in a game like this. The way I'm thinking though about this, Frances, and again, if you're listening to this after the game, you know the truth to this, but my projection going into this one is that you have so many bench players on Barcelona just chomping at the bit for a spot. So my guess and projection for this game is that Silicon, Semedo, Mascherano, Vermelian, and Digne will be the goalkeeper in back line. Denis Suarez, Andre Gomez in the midfield. Paco Ecather and Delefei will be on the win- uh, up top. And so that just leaves one spot in the midfield for Alenia, who's already started games for Barcelona last season. And we're going to see Jose Arnaiz, who's been the big 22-year-old star for Barcelona B so far. Expect to see him on the left wing. Those are natural spots for both Elena and Arnaiz. And then whichever Barcelona B players we see come on of the other five that I didn't mention will probably be some of those coming off the bench. And again, it's just whoever Valverde is feeling at the time and I guess even what the game would dictate and need. Well, that's interesting. Um, I was thinking of just chucking all the kids on the pitch and support them with some other players around them. Um, I was thinking starting Arnaiz, Alenia, Cucurella, Uriol, Busquets, Vitinho, Perez and Ortola and starting them all and having Mascherano, you know, giving them some order and then filling in the gaps. Um, maybe Digne comes in. But no, I would, I would play all the kids from the start. Um, I want to sort of put the spotlight on Arda Turan here. Um, this is a little bit of an X-Files. So Arda Turan, as our listeners know, has been useless for Barcelona pretty much from the moment he came to us. Um, he scored some goals last season, but, you know, he, he didn't really add anything, just a final finish. Um, this season, he's been at his lazy best and he has been, he says he's been injured. So on Friday, the doctors gave him the green light, which means that he would in a way, challenge for um, getting into Valverde's squad for the, the Malaga game. He wasn't called up on Saturday, so he didn't do anything on Saturday. And then when he came on Sunday, he was injured again. So that can only mean one thing. He got injured while he was watching the game, or he was doing some weird stuff outside football, which he got injured for. That, or he decided he was not going to play this game because he's too important or too lazy to play it. I really don't understand what's going on with this guy. And likewise with Alej Vidal as well. Why are these players not playing? I, I don't I don't get it. You know, um, in, in Spanish we got a sentence for it, which is se han borrado, which means they they erase themselves from the game. So they they made themselves unavailable basically. Um I don't have any reason to doubt the the professionalism, but what else do you do? 
you know, because someone who hasn't played for that long should be desperate in order to make themselves sort of earn a space back into the team. But words really do escape me as to what's going on. And I really cannot blame Ernesto Valverde when he reportedly wants to get rid of both of them um, and sort of sell them on in the winter transfer window that's upcoming in the next month, month and a half. And so he can collapse some of the kids in order to fill in the squads because, let's face it, they're going to have more future. They come no, if any. So, yeah, not, not quite sure what's going on there. Well, we're not going to spend too much time on this because I think we're going to, as I always do with the youth prospects, I think we're going to have a great amount of fun breaking down some of those performances after the Real Murcia game. So we're going to move on to a younger level even. And the guy we're going to talk about now is Abel Ruiz who's currently lighting up the U-17s, and this is not a Barcelona bias. He really is lighting up the U-17s at the U-17 World Cup. Sergio Gomez is the other Barcelona player, along with Juan Miranda, who are playing, we'll say, starring roles, where Miranda is a, a defender, and Sergio Gomez has been supporting Ruiz, who is the traditional number nine, out on the wing. Gomez is, the, is a juvenile A player, and Ruiz, of course, plays for Barcelona B team. We've talked about him on the past. But he's already the highest scorer in U-17 Spain history. And the U-17s most recently defeated Iran 3-1 to and will now be meeting Mali. And I believe that game is on Wednesday. So, again, depending on when you're listening to this one, this may have already happened. It's the semifinal of the World Cup. But we're going to talk instead about his performances, about the player himself, and what this could mean for Barcelona. Now... The positive thing is that you have a Barcelona player putting his stamp on a game that so many major clubs are watching. The U-17s is the prime age when guys are about to turn 18 or already just turning 18 and haven't yet signed a professional contract. So this is a time when you see a ton of movement where young players are picked up by these big clubs. And so with Abel Ruiz there banging in goals... It's come out this week that a number of Premier League clubs are interested in him and want to sign him. And Ruiz himself has compared himself not to Barcelona players, but instead to Robert Lewandowski, of course, of Bayern Munich, and and Marco Van Basten, who won three Ballon d'Ors in the early 90s and who starred for Ajax and AC Milan, of course, the Dutch forward. And what's interesting about all of that is the second a player gets big, he's now being rumored to be going somewhere else. And what critics or those who are afraid that he might join the likes of what we saw with Eric Garcia going to Man City, who's also on that U-17 team, and he left earlier this year, or Jordi Mbula, who also left earlier this year for Monaco, is currently playing for their B-team waiting promotion. So with all of these youngsters exiting La Masia, the worry is that Ruiz is going to be the same, and the worry is because... Abel Ruiz is a traditional number nine in a way that a Samuel Eto kind of way, a Luis Suarez kind of way, and it's not usually a player that is manufactured by Barcelona's academy. So people are worried that he's going to feel like he just doesn't fit and there's no place for him, and even if he does get up to the first team, that he won't mesh with the style in the ways that Christian Teo was close but didn't, Isaac Cuenca was close but didn't, and so those kind of names popped up. But Abel Ruiz, if you're a good player, and of course we saw how Luis Suarez traditionally, quote-unquote, didn't fit the style, if you're a good player and about to be great, 
then I think you make it. And for Albert Ruiz, if anything, the fact that Luis Suarez is struggling right now and they're, again, Paco Acatheir doesn't seem to have a place. If you're a 17-year-old, you're saying, well, I probably have the best shot at the first team. So for Albert Ruiz, I would say I would hope that, that Barcelona continue to nurture him and let him know that, hey, you're already 17 and making waves for Barcelona B and your spot in the first team isn't that far away in comparison to some of the other players that have moved on. Yeah, I don't have much to add to that. I think that was very, very comprehensive. Um, I'll only sort of add a couple of points then. Abel Ruiz has been tremendous for La Masia, scoring plenty of goals. And at 17 years old, he's uh, an unusual striker, as you mentioned. Um, he defines his game as different. And the fact that he mirrors himself in the two players that you mentioned, uh, Lewandowski and Van Vasten, is, is a clear example of that. He prefers to hold the ball and always prioritizes other people. So he's always looking up for the pass rather than to finish himself. But when he does finish himself, he's just lethal in front of goal. Um, as you mentioned, he's already breaking goal-scoring records. Um, I think the fact that you know City, Chelsea and Arsenal are after him is clear of his, um, of his potential and his current state of affairs as well. Obviously, Suarez is not getting any younger. And reportedly, and I say reportedly because... We can only get our information from the media because the club obviously doesn't share this information with us. Reportedly, he's got a €3 million release clause, which is next to nothing when you think about his potential. And I really do hope that the board moves quickly in order to tie him down because someone that special coming on from La Masia is hugely unusual. Um, He was signed at 12 years old from Valencia. That means that he's been at La Masia for five seasons now. And he offers something different. And whenever you've got a player coming through the ranks, knowing the Barca system, but you know, much taller than and much taller, much stronger than our usual La Masia graduate, I think you need to you need to time down. So let's hope the board can do that. The last note on the U seventeens is that another big player against Iran, the other big player should we say, was Valencia Wonder Kid in Ferran Torres, who is reportedly being highly tracked by Barcelona and Real Madrid. The 17-year-old is seen as, you know, the star of the Valencia setup. And even though they are second place in the table, he's doing well in the Segunda Division B with the club's reserve team. And he has a buyout clause of 8 million euro. And Barcelona and Real Madrid are both really pushing hard for this kid, whether or not he projects as a winger or a creative midfielder at the first team level. Ferran Torres is the other name to look at from this U-17, and you might hear his name linked with Barcelona more and more in the coming months. Well, that'll transition us right into our listener questions, and the first listener question is the most difficult one, I promise, Frances, and then they get easier, so we've got time for a few. Ready to go? Let's do that. So Abdullah asked, how do all the players from Barcelona B to the first team work? If we actually do have to sign them from Barcelona B... How did then we get them into the Copa del Rey or even in La Liga, informing the RFEF before the season starts and put them in the squad list? He said, just sort it all out for him. Okay. Um, Barca B players have contracts, as do Barca C players and as do Barca A players. Um, So that's it, really. They've got contracts and the contract means that they can play for Barca regardless of what team it is. Um, Obviously, Barca A players or first team players may have clauses in them that say they're not they're not to be relegated to the B team. And likewise, Barca B players may have bonuses for being promoted to the first team, but you cannot really generalize with that because everyone's contract is different. 
Um, in terms of them playing in the Copa del Rey, there's no restrictions. Um, you can play your B team players and hope for the best. So I think that answers the question, right? Yeah, the only thing I would add is that Champions League is the one where there's the restriction. You have to have them in your Champions League squad, but those squads change in the different levels of the Champions League. There you go. Done. <laughs> Perfect. Juan Alexander asks, why can't Denise Suarez, and there's a ton of questions on Denise Suarez, Juan Alexander asks us a question, and Christo asks us a question. It's basically the same question. Why can't Denise Suarez seem to get any time? And Frances, this is why I projected that Denise Suarez will get a start in this Copa del Rey game, just because he hasn't played very often, even though he's been really good this season when he's played. I don't understand. I think we mentioned it in our previous podcast. I think Denis Suarez should be getting at least 30 minutes of playing time every single time as a super sub for Deo Lufeo or the other way around. Particularly in Dembele's absence, I, I really don't understand why Denis Suarez is not getting in the team. He's a fantastic player, uh, obviously not a world-class star yet, but he's got all the potential there. He's played in many different leagues. Obviously, he was at Manchester City. He was at Villarreal and he was great in both teams. Um, obviously, Celta de Vigo away before going to Manchester City as well. So he's someone who is not sort of um, being monicadoed by the La Masia system. He has experience beyond the Camp Nou as well. And although he's young, he, is, he has plenty of experience and know-how and he knows of different systems. So I really do hope that Valverde starts using him better and more often because there really isn't any reason why he shouldn't be starter and I am puzzled that he's not so um, hopefully you're right as well Dan that he does get a start in the Copa del Rey because I think he deserves it. Charlie asked a little bit of conspiracy here Valverde's use of the squad is starting to worry me is it true Barca want to avoid paying bonuses for Semedo? Um, I don't know but I wouldn't put it past them um, as most of our listeners would know, whenever Barca plays Semedo, uh, there, there is potentially a cost. It's not a per-game thing. Every 50 games that Semedo plays, um, Barca need to play, pay an extra 5 million euros back to Benfica. And uh, my understanding is that there is a similar clause for Denis Suarez as well, although it's not that hefty. Um, I hope that Valverde is choosing his team based on what he sees in training and in previous matches and there is an um, economical reason for it. Um, but yeah, it is it is quite suspicious, put it that way, that Semedo and Denis Suarez are not playing enough um, despite both of them clearly deserving the spot. But let's hope that's, that's not the reason. And the one aside I'll have is, now you and I have both said that we're fans of the NBA here in the States and for basketball, and I would say there are certain NBA contracts that have certain clauses that say if a player hits a certain number of three-pointers or a certain percentage from the field, which is you know a certain number of baskets percentage-wise, that they get bonuses and things like that. And one of the best cases of this happened last season when a player named Mo Harkless, he was at a certain number of three-point percentage. So I believe it was 35%. And if he fell under that number, he wouldn't get the extra bonus that was in his contract. So while he normally is a three-point shooter and defender, he went the last few games of the season without shooting a three-pointer because that would just keep his average at what it was and he wasn't going to take any chances. And some players do the reverse where they have to get back up to that number. So you wonder why in the last five games of the season, certain players are just jacking up three-pointers like crazy. And so... 
I think there are more interesting things here, but the worrisome thing, as you said, is when things like this happen when it comes to games played and when players are incentivized to play a certain way, maybe, but when coaches and managers are incentivized not to play certain players for financial reasons is always a worrisome thing. And we even saw that with Mark Bartra a few years ago where we wondered why he wasn't playing more and he had to play a certain number of games to be have his to wait how did this work it affected his all right so he had to play a certain number of games and that would affect his contract and affect the number of years he was even at the club and it just didn't work out and so Mark Bartra it made his exit from the club easier on the player and easier on the agent and the team that he went to in Dortmund yeah, and that's probably why Arda Turan doesn't want to play against um, in the Copa del Rey against Murcia because he's probably quite rubbish by now and he doesn't want anyone to see that. Yep, so I, I think that about wraps it up, Francis. Uh, anything else to add today? No, nothing to add. I think um, just to say thank you to our listeners for the iTunes reviews and being there for us. And please make sure you share the podcast with those that you know support Barca as well and will enjoy it. So thank you very much. Yeah, we got an iTunes review from Under Oath Free K for Life. They said, don't sleep on the podcast, gave us five stars. And this podcast is great for anyone who wants to get into the FC Barcelona fan club a little more deeply. The dynamic between the two hosts is great. And I love the dedication that they have towards being as objective as possible with the team. Great material for anyone who wants to have a more informed opinion on the best team in the world, Forza Barca. So we really appreciate that review that came in most recently on the American iTunes store. And... Again, that'll wrap it up. We appreciate you listening to us. And if you could go on iTunes, give us a review just like that listener did. Five stars, please. And thank you for listening to the Barcelona podcast. Bring the hottest breaking stories from the camp. No. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. And Forza Barca. Forza. Excuse me, Captain. This is your wake-up call from the new TrackFone Wireless. Uh, what's that now? What if you had to fly this plane while sitting back in the cabin? I wouldn't have any control. Well, that's what it's like going with some wireless companies. But TrackFone Wireless gives you control. Hmm. Get unlimited talk and text on America's best 4G LTE network starting at $20 a month, no contract. Plus, unlimited carryover data with active service. That's cool, but how'd you get in my cockpit? This is your wake-up call, people. The new TrackFone Wireless. Now you're in control. See terms and conditions at trackphone.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.